Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements. My name is Alistair Davis, your host. And today we have a very special guest from Racine in Wisconsin. His name is James O'Hagan. He is the Director of Digital and Virtual Learning for the Racine Unified School District. He's also a doctoral candidate at Northern Illinois University in the field of instructional technology and also the host of the Academy of Esports podcast. He's grown up all over the United States. He's involved in overseeing a virtual learning program, which is involved in all facets of learning that involves digital means. He's launched two large school-based esports programs, and he still plays rugby. Welcome, James. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, I, it's great to it's great to talk about a subject that I, most people want to talk about esports. And when you reached out to me and said, "Hey, let's talk about virtual learning," I'm like, "All right, let's get into some other stuff." I am more than a one trick pony, I swear. Good, you've got two you've got two ponies. I see two two fit ponies. <laughs> yeah, or if you wanted to, if we wanted to talk about rugby for the next half hour, the World Cup breakdown, uh, we could do that certainly. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I wanted to tell ask when. A two-part question. When was your last rugby match? And secondly, who is the best rugby team in the world? No pressure. Oh, um, well, uh, let's start with the second question first. Um, while I would love to say it is Ireland, it is not Ireland. <laughs> but I, I, I seem to have forgotten. It's been so long ago since the last World Cup. It's been a few months. I, I've forgotten who won that World Cup. So, <laughs> And then... okay. <laughs> and then the last time I did play, I did play in a match last summer. So I did not play in the last fall. So last summer here in the States. So back in, uh, uh, no, wait, it would have been fall. It was October. I played in October. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I see that you're, and yes, you're it was South Africa. I will say South Africa is the best in the world. As <laughs> there you right go. Now. There you go. I've always liked you, James. Uh, always liked you. <laughs> uh, you, let's you seem agree. To be a... it's, it's not England. How's that? Yeah, yeah. Also, also a good answer. <laughs> or not New Zealand. <laughs> yes. For once. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting time. So we'll yeah. see. The next World Cup is in France. I hope to go to that one. Oh yeah. But we didn't so, talk about uh, rugby. This isn't the rugby podcast. I'm sorry to all you people who are <laughs> listening out there who are like, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> we can talk about that at, that at the end. But uh, <laughs> sure. You, you, you. Um. You are big into esports. I think you said you got the Atari Twenty Six Hundred way back when, and that sort of uh, got you into esports and gaming. And um, I guess what what got you into esports, or what got you fascinated in esports? Well, actually, um, I I my first gaming experience was on an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, but my family was kind of anti video games in the house, if yep. you could believe that. Um, you know, so. While I didn't have the uh, the experience of having gaming in the, in my home uh, in the '80s in the United States, uh, arcades were big. Uh, so starting in 1980, I was five years old. Uh, so as a five-year-old and going to the grocery stores or wherever, you would find arcade games set up, and it yeah. really didn't matter to me what game was out there. Um, I would be one to stand there and watch more than play. Actually, I was more entertained yep. by watching how other people played the games. And the arcade culture in the United States was very uh, positive, actually. You know, while some people really uh, harp on it as, as gaming as being something that is bad, uh, ultimately it is games. It is how mm -hmm. we play and, this, and, and how we choose to interact and play together. And so to me, esports, especially at a grade school level, 
is a great way to engage kids in play and how they are playing nowadays. And also to, um, I find that I need video games in my life as, as my yeah. way to play outside of rugby. It's my other competitive or sometimes not competitive way to just unwind. Yeah, that was my next, my next question. What about adults? How do you see gaming? Because, you know, a lot, some adults would say, depending on when they were born or their views, they would go, well, gaming is, is not good for, for children or for adults for a number of reasons, for X, Y, or Z. But how do you think gaming could be positively introduced into adult lives in a, as a relaxation tool and also as a, as a business tool? Well, as a realization tool, this is a question I always ask everybody. Uh, you know, Alistair, you have a cell phone, yes, I assume? Smartphone? Yep. Do you, do you, have, a, do you have a game on your phone that you play? Uh, I don't. <laughs> no, come on. You must have – now, see, people are quick to say that, and then I say, come on, you have something on there that you play. So, so my – my partner, my girlfriend, she plays and I play with her. We play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Because we like that. We like uh, pub quizzes and, and that, those kinds of games. So th that, is, that is the one game we do play. Yeah. So for most people, uh, you seem to be the exception. Uh, <laughs> when I ask that question about what do you have on your cell phone as far as a game, it starts the conversation of, of oh, well, I, I do play games. And so it starts to really get the ball rolling about the conversation of, of is gaming, what, what value does it have? Why do you play that game? Where did you find that game? And for, for what we're doing with gaming in schools, you know, a lot of people do have some negative feelings about gaming and gaming culture. And as soon as you start to break it down and make it personal and say, well, here, you're doing this as well. Now you start to see the, 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 the shield start to come down and the understanding start to break in and that, that it isn't all just Call of Duty and it isn't all just uh, shooting games or, or things like that. There's a whole gamut of games that people play. Um, probably the game that I enjoy the most right now, there's two games that I'm really enjoying right now. One is called Out of the Park Baseball, which is all it is is just a baseball simulator. I can make any simulation of any team from the entire history of baseball. I can put them into leagues together. I can start at any time. I can be yeah. a general manager. The other one is a great game. It's really relaxing. It's called Islanders. It's about $5 US. Um, you can get it on the Steam store. And if, you're, if you ever were somebody who enjoyed playing games like SimCity, um, yeah. you know, the, uh, it, is, it is like a micro SimCity where you, can, you have an island and you, you gain points by placing things on the island, but you have to be able to manage putting certain uh, like houses, mansions, statues, fountains. You have to manage it all together on the fly and put it so that you get the maximum points where you place, place these items. Mm, so, mm. so there's, there's a whole different group of games, even, you know, you asked about business, you know, I do think of games like Islanders, which could be a great team building game. Um, mm -hmm. The Academy of Esports podcast, we talk about some of those games uh, that could be team building and how it is, even uh, the recent interview I did was with a group called the El Paso Honey Badgers, which is actually creating a middle school to high school to college pipeline using esports as a way to have the conversation of here's here's where uh, stem fits into this here's where education fits into this and then getting kids thinking about at a very young age going to college so 
it's 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 don't don't yeah. rely on just what the pros are doing right now especially as we're as we're locked in our homes think about too about the ecosystem that's around it that's when you start to present the ecosystem and the way people can connect into business writing how people can connect into marketing and branding how people can talk about uh, you know as we're as we're inside how do we connect with each other well mm. gaming becomes a way that we can take down barriers and connect and start to understand each other there's a lot of different ways to think about gaming and esports and, and and video games in our culture today. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, one of the things you said in your answers to me in the pre-interview questionnaire was making virtual personal. Oh yeah. And can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, as we're you know, as as we've all had to shift now into a lot of online learning opportunities. I think what people are, especially educators, are starting to realize is that virtual learning isn't just us sitting down at a computer and lecturing and then saying, I'll go do your homework. The, yep. the, there's a much greater dynamic now taking place because a lot of things that used to be in a teacher's control are now out of a teacher's control. And teachers, uh, by and large, usually love control. They usually thrive on control. It's their classroom. It's their, you know, it's the thing that they, they, they give us an experience. So it, but virtual learning by itself, if you still teach it in very traditional ways, if you teach a course in a very traditional way, is very impersonal because the, the student is not there in front of you. There is not, yeah. as much as we see each other, I can't just have a side conversation with you. I can't just casually talk about the weather or the rugby match or anything. Yeah. So, so making virtual personal, what that means is, what steps do we have to take in order to create those interpersonal connections that are missing in a virtual environment? Yeah. And, and those are the things, you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Sugata Mitra, when he did his TED talk on building a school in the cloud, talked about how he uh, developed a group of kids in a slum, and I think it was in New Delhi, where he put a computer in a wall and basically put how to do some uh, basic, bi not even basic biology, it was like genetics. I mean, it was like, it was all written in English too. And he went back and he asked the kids, he says, well, what did you, after several weeks of leaving the, the computer there and asked the kids, what did you learn? And they said, we really didn't learn much. Uh, first of all, we had to teach ourselves English because none of us knew English. <laughs> and then they went through and gave a very broad overview, but a very good overview about what uh, genetic rec uh, genetics and biology and all this other stuff. And so he realized that learning can take place, but he also realized that children reached a certain level that they couldn't get any higher. They were getting up to a level of their peers just by having the information there. But what drove the learning more and got better performance was by adding in a personal connection. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so what he, by having a mentor, not necessarily a teacher, but just having a mentor, just having somebody who checks in and says, hey, how are you doing? Where are you at with your courses? The, 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 that broke that glass barrier that he was hitting. So as much as virtual can provide the information, we need to have those mentors. In our virtual learning program that we have in our school district, mentorship is a major, it's a whole job. They, they, I have people whose only job it is, is to mentor kids in virtual learning programs. And it, and it makes all the world a difference. Okay. But how do you scale mentorship? So if we take 
if we take virtual learning into the corporate adult world mm-hmm. um, and, and also in, in a school environment, how do you scale that? Because obviously a mentor has to look after X number of students or, or people. How do you scale that, that role? Well, to put it into perspective of say, a, uh, in a corporation, uh, we have managers and managers are supposed to manage people and know people yeah. from top to bottom, know where they're at their projects. They may not all be working on the same project. They may have different ones. They'll do yeah. regular check-ins with people. It's the same kind of concept. Uh, so I oversee the full-time learning students. I have about 40 full-time, on top of my other job, um, yeah. I, see, I oversee about 40 students. And our check-ins aren't half hour or an hour long. Our check-ins maybe run five to 10 minutes maximum. Mm. Uh, but it is to just say, hey, I see where you're at in your courses. Here's where, I, I can see where we're at with our pacing and our courses. Uh, are you having troubles this week? How's the family? Um, you know, a lot of my kids, I have, for example, a number of students who are ballet dancers. Mm. And they've got really hectic schedules. And of course, when Christmas was coming up, the Nutcracker uh, sweet season was upon us. And their schedules needed to change and we needed to make adjustments in their course pacing. And, but having those interpersonal connections and now imagine if that, that child has to now have that same conversation five or six different times with six different, five or six different teachers, you know, Mm. while trying to do all these other things outside of the virtual environment. Um, I now become the advocate. I now become the person who helps break down barriers. I'm the one who helps to inform the other teachers because the other teachers have to teach all their other students as well too. Um, and again, it keeps those, those checks and balances. It helps us to talk about what's going on in their lives. In an, and, and because we have this asynchronous uh, classroom going on uh, where kids are, are working at different paces, it helps to keep everything kind of moving forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So you, you're saying that to make virtual effective, it needs to be personal. And the way that mm-hmm. the way you make it personal is through that connectedness or connection. And to, to, to enforce connection or connectedness, you need some kind of a mentor to uh, help people, facilitate people, make sure that they're okay, what's going on, uh, you know, some kind of a check-in. Well, I mean, there's there's great content out there right now. I mean... I could, if I really wanted to, go on to uh, Harvard University's website and sign up for a whole bunch of virtual courses with Harvard yep. University. Har- Harvard University level of, of professors, content, everything. And people do that. You know, there's, there's MOOCs. There's these massive online courses, right? Yeah. However, we know that the completion rate, based on the data that Harvard and MIT provide around that, is only about 5%. Yeah. Um, and that's just... <laughs> That's, I mean, again, all this knowledge out there in the world, all this great stuff, and, and it's free, and we're only at 5%. Now, if I had a personal connection with somebody in that course, maybe I knew the professor, or I had a cohort of, of people who are taking the course with me, now mm. I've got like that, I've got that interpersonal connection with people and, and interpersonal connection to the course content as well. Even yesterday, uh, right now, you can go on to Rosetta Stone's website. So Rosetta Stone is the language site, right? Yep. Yeah, and you can get a lifetime license for Rosetta Stone. I'm not a I'm not a paid promoter. I'm just sharing information. Yeah, this is yeah, not yeah, a yeah. commercial. But for two <laughs> for two for two hundred dollars US, you can get a a license lifetime for Rosetta Stone. What they've added in though over the next uh, up until I think June 30th, you can schedule a one on one, just like how we're talking one on one right now. Yeah, you can schedule yeah. a one on one with somebody. 
And I did that for the first time yesterday. And yes, it was intimidating um, because I'm learning Irish and it's a language that I don't really know a whole lot about, but sitting with that person for a half hour and having a conversation completely in Irish extended my learning yeah. so much, so much just by having yeah. that one-on-one -on -one interpersonal connection. And, and now when I go to sign up, I'm hoping, do I get the same person? Can I have that conversation again with that person? Cause now they, they now they know who I am and, yeah. and now they know what I'm working on and where I'm struggling. So yeah. to yeah. me, they have made that, 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 that excellent software that they have something that I want to come back to because now I, I have that other layer of support on top of what I'm trying to learn. Mm -hmm. Well, I must say I'm doing sort of this podcasting MBA. I call it a podcasting MBA, but it's not, but it's an eight week program online. Mm -hmm. And I am in a class of 30 other students, but what we're doing is we've got to do these assignments every week, but we have calls twice a week with our team leaders and also the keynote speaking. And we're also linked with each other on Facebook and we're doing WhatsApps with each other. So there's a huge mentorship community around this course, which kind of pushes us over the line. And uh, that, that was quite cool. I also did an instructional design course, eight week course, but, year and a half ago it was the same thing my son he's three and a half he is getting exercises on a platform called seesaw and his teacher oh, yeah. sends him a a video and says today we're going to build a raft a raft and, da, 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 da. <laughs> and then he he sits on my lap and then we do this exercise and he, he sends her a video and talks to her into this video and it's quite cool to see how what you're saying is that that mentorship component that that connection part is not just here's the exercises this is what you need to do so press the submit button good luck yep and that's what and that's and for the longest time that's what we did with virtual <laughs> learning again if you if if you haven't seen the ted talk by sugata mitra that's s-u-g-a-t-a -A, mitra spelled m-i-t-r-a and he talks about his school in the cloud and he talks about what he refers to as the granny cloud, because the mentor again, isn't giving you the answers. The mentor is only finding out about your experience is kind of maybe uh, asking some leading questions, even though they may know the answers. Um, mm. and, and he, <laughs> what he ended up using was a number of teachers around the world, retired teachers to help be this, these mentors as well. The difference mm. was tremendous. The, 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 the difference was tremendous. And he tried it with students in India and he tried it with students in England as well too. So he, he took two very vastly different cultures of kids all tied together around the English language and, and um, created this experience of, again, like having this school in the cloud and having this mentorship as being part of it. In, that in terms of connection, just a thought, you know, you're saying that you're talking to your person about the Irish language course that you're doing. Sure. And would it be okay if, let's say you did a class or a virtual class and you had a live call with the, the trainer and you did some exercises live with the class in like a virtual live classroom setting. And then after the class, you connected with the students with videos, like a, a, a daily video vlog or, or something to that effect. Would that be okay? Or do you have to talk one-on-one? -on -one? No, uh, I have some teachers who, 
so there's the mentors and then I also have my online teachers, right? So I have people whose role it is, is to teach the content. And again, in my, in my program, they're doing it in an asynchronous ways. So we don't have a set time where all students come together because we have yep. students all of different needs. Um, I do have some students though, who, when I do check-ins, they have asked for me not to do telephone check-ins. They would rather do text check-ins or they would rather uh. do email check-ins. I have, I, I, in my program, I would say I have a, a third of the children are what we would call high flyers. They're your you know, high performing yep. students, school's moving too slow for them. They want to move quickly. They're ready to graduate at 16 years old and go on to university. Yep. I also have a, a high number of children who are expelled students. So students who have been kicked out of traditional school for whatever reason. Mm. But my other third of children are those with mental health issues. And again, some of these, uh, the traditional classroom didn't work. And some of these interpersonal connections are things that they're working on. And yeah. some of them, some of them um, are issues where sometimes those personal, like I said, those, that, that video can be very intimidating, can be, can be off-putting. So right. again, it's, 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 it's making it personal to them. I'm meeting the students where they're at, not for my needs, but for what their needs are, I guess. is, mm. is where, where, I guess I think what some people, again, are starting to realize as we're looking at virtual learning now is that they're like, well, I'm going to take my class and put my experience online and teach my students when really what we what beautiful thing we have the opportunity to do right now is say uh, I as the teacher now can work with students in a variety of different ways it doesn't have to be the same for everybody and meeting students where they're at mm -mm -mm. and how that's interesting and how do you think gaming culture will add to the virtual learning experience both for kids, high school students now, and also corporations now, or in the next five years, let's say in five years time, hmm. how is a fortune 500 going to incorporate gaming aspects of gaming into their learning in your opinion? Well, to be very, the, the simple way is of course, let's say corporations. Um, we used to, in the United States have <laughs> bowling leagues, softball leagues. They used to be company teams. Yeah. Now yeah. those now those company teams, those things, those those that created those social connections outside of the office or outside of the factory, have now moved online. So now you've got adults who are forming inside their offices. They are okay. forming esports e teams around right. of, and, and around different games. So I know that there is, uh, and I'm forgetting the company that does a lot of management of this, but I know that, for example, Google and Apple and Facebook have esports teams specific to spe specific to certain games in their corporate culture that are like the official Facebook or the official Google team. Um, I wish I could remember the name of the company that's that's kind of managing those things. But again, if you have, uh, even as my in my team uh, of educators, we have done some light professional development where we just sit down and we do play some of these games together. And what's, it's just like how we do other kind of team building skills, except this one is now creating again, that social connection outside of the office space. Yeah. 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 What do you, th uh, that's, that's uh, yeah, I can see how that would work. Definitely. What are your thoughts on quick gaming interactions to make people relaxed before a big meeting? So 
what I what I said to a guest was two weeks ago, a week ago, was saying that virtual virtual meetings have technology as an advantage. And, you know, if you're trying to meet with people all over the world in like different places, like 10 people coming together for this one meeting, and you know that James loves, um, he loves a certain rugby player or a football player, you could get that person in on the meeting on a Zoom call, on a Skype call, whatever it is, uh, to chat to him for the first five minutes or a comedian or a <laughs> musician or something to warm up the crowd, let's say. It's, 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 it's warming up the crowd and they say, okay, we've had some fun. We've had five minutes or 10 minutes of comedy or music. Now let's do the meeting. I mean, you could probably, you could put esports in there. You could say, okay, everybody, let's play a game. Mm -hmm. Let's do something and, and, to, yeah. Yeah. And we do it all the time. I mean, not, not gaming, but think about it in our meetings. We usually, if you, if you do a meeting well, you don't just send out the agenda or maybe you do depending on the meeting type, but you know, there is the agenda that goes out ahead of time, but hopefully sometimes there's at least a warm up. There is something that sets the tone for what the meeting is going to be there. Yeah. There may be a TED talk or a YouTube video or something like that. But now, yeah. again, because we are so disconnected um, in a lot of ways, because we are in different places, there's a great series of games called, I don't know if you're, if you've ever heard of Jackbox, J-A-C-K-B-O-X. Yeah. But they make, they make a variety of different games that right now we're on a Zoom call. I could put the, the, um, the, the game up on our shared screen between all of us, but the yeah. game is all played on your cell phone or played on a browser on your computer. So you could be watching this. So let's say you had a monitor and monitor. Um, I could have the game going up here on my upper monitor and have my answer keys down here. And we can be all interconnected and communicating via the chat within Zoom. Um, and, and, but these games are super simple. Um, again, you can play them on any cell phone or on any web browser, um, and but all the all the games connect back to the uh, host. So uh, they're kind of a, just a great fun way for for four to eight people together. And then you can have people who um, are just observers. So you might have some people who are like, you know what, I'm really not comfortable playing, and we have to honor that as well too. There are some people who just don't like playing games like this. Don't force them to necessarily do that. Allow them to be spectators. Allow them to at least be part of it, but don't force them to play as well. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, Jackbox. I'll I'll have a look at that. Jackbox.tv. Yeah. Yeah, because I, you know, what I've seen, you know, talking to my friends now, because I'm in lockdown, I've been in lockdown for two weeks now, mm -hmm. and our government have just said another two weeks. So we'll be locked in at home at five for five weeks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think we're all tired of Zoom calls. <laughs> we're all tired of virtual meetings. And, you know, you know, we've we got to think of ways to to get people engaged, get them active, get them doing something, not looking at a screen and like dying in front of the screen and going, oh, here we go well, again. And that brings us to a conversation, uh, something I did want to talk about because I know that there are people before all this, yep. par parents were very concerned about screen time. Mm -hmm. Oh, my child's in front of a screen way too much. What's yep. funny is, is those same parents uh, usually of, of children who are high performing, um, when we said, hey, we're moving school online, became the opposite. 
they were they no longer became concerned about screen time. They're like, well, school's happening online, so my kid has to be in front of a computer. So I don't care if it takes seven to eight hours for them to get it done. They're going to get it done. <laughs> it's kind of odd how that that's changed yeah. when we put put it in the context of school. But the rules around screen time are because that's a question I get asked so many times. How much screen time is too much screen time? And it's not about the time per se. I mean, screen time is important to have a conversation about, but there are rules around screen time specifically. Uh, the American Psychological Association put out some very clear guidelines about how do you decide whether screen time is too much or, or not appropriate. And a lot of it has to do with is, uh, is the person engaged? Are you and I sitting here engaged right now? Yes, we're having a conversation. Um, mm -hmm. We is there is there um, creativity involved? Well, the conversation that we're having is a high level conversation. You're asking me questions. I'm giving you responses. We're having back and forth. Yeah. Um, and then what's the context of all of this? So there's there's as as I as we're having conversations, we're playing off of each other. We're we're going into other topics. We're asking questions. Yeah. It isn't. It isn't. Hey, uh, you know. Alistair, I'm sorry, it's been 30 minutes and we need to stop because I've overrun my screen time and I'm going to psychologically damage myself for being 30 minutes over. <laughs> yeah. But, but one good rule of thumb, there's actually a couple of things you can do, especially if you're involved in a virtual, doing a lot of virtual work. There's two things. Number one, and I should have been wearing these for a bit, but they were a little dirty, so I didn't want to put them on and plus I got a glare. These are uh, blue blocking glasses. So these help to take off eye strain. Um, you can get them on, I bought these on Amazon's website. I got two pair for, I think, $15 US. So these will help. And you can see they've got a little, I don't know if I can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can see there's a little bit of a yellow tint to them. But also the other thing, and you might see me doing this as we're, as we're meeting, even though I'm not consciously doing this, about every 20 minutes, you should look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds, not on a screen. So what's great is, my, oh, there's a little, uh, there's a female cardinal sitting outside my window here. Uh, it is springtime. And um, yep. I'm going to take a look at this beautiful bird for the next 20 seconds sitting outside my window here. And it helps to, again, reduce the eye strain. It takes off the pressure of, of um, anything that can hurt your eyes. So while, yeah, there's, there's a lot of people now on screens and not a lot of conversations around screen time anymore, um, it is important to, again, have that context. And then make sure again to practice best practice of taking that break and, and relaxing for about 20 seconds and looking at something 20 feet away to save your eyes. Okay, good, good tips. So the blue, you call them blue block blue. glasses. Yeah, blue block glasses, yeah. Blue block glasses. And then so I mean, that, that, yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, that, that's, that's the point, James, as well, is because people don't know, we're all new to this, right? We're all, we've right. all been thrust into this virtual meeting. I've just read Microsoft now are doing all their conferences for the, until 2021 virtually. Mm -hmm. And so we're all thrust into this and there's no like uh, best practices or this is how you should do things. You should, this is when you do this kind of a meeting or this kind of interaction, you need four pairs one banana and two apples and you need to do that <laughs> you know every 20 minutes you have to have a banana or you know what whatever the case might be we, we don't know what that is mm. uh, where, where there's if you're a researcher right now um, now is a great time to be a researcher <laughs> around yeah. uh, virtual learning and virtual learning environments there's a lot of great study that can take place um, i think what may come out of this too 
is that, for example, people are going to look at school in a totally different way. They're going to look at the, the spaces that we build schools in maybe a different light, the hours that we're in our school buildings. I think that there are some kids who are going to push back a lot when they're being told, hey, we got to go to school for another seven hours. When, they, when they've been at home and doing it, getting it done in two to three hours. You know, why, yeah. do I have to, why do I have to be at school for six or seven hours when I'm getting it done in two to three hours? You're telling me I only need to do two to three hours worth of work and I can have the rest of my day? Then why am I getting up at six in the morning and getting there at 7.30? Exactly. And go, you know? yeah. And yeah. then what does that, if we, if we really take this seriously, we look at this in the long term, what does that mean for the footprint of our school buildings? Yeah. How, do they have to be that big? Do we have to operate them all year round or can Correct. we, you know, so there's, there's, it's even, um, yeah, I, but again, if it's just us sitting in front of a computer and just us feeding information and, and programming the child, if you will, or programming the employee, then, um, you're going to, it's the quality is going to reduce. Again, that's why I say make virtual personal, make this all, it's find the ways to make those interpersonal connections. It's so important. Mm, 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 mm. No, that's uh, that's great. I mean, that that the tip on the twenty 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 is uh, that's gold. Very mm. very cool. I got that um, from an ophthalmologist. I was at a <laughs> it was an esports conference in Iowa, and uh, I it, it wasn't a well attended session. It should have been because uh, the information that he gave you know people go like, why would you go see an ophthalmologist at an esports conference? It's like, well, because I, I I'm aware of everything else that we got. This is something completely new, something completely different and something you don't think about. You don't think about the health of your eyes until they get red. Oh, the other thing he said to do, don't use any of the Visine, don't use any of the drops that take the red out. If your eyes are red, you need to take more breaks. You need to get more sleep. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, totally, yeah. totally. Okay, so what, what, what would you tell your 21-year-old younger self? Oh my gosh. Well, my 21 old younger self, uh, I was, uh, um, I, I was a very different child than I am as an adult now, as most of us are. Um, <laughs> I need, to, I need to do, and still need to do a lot more listening. You know, there's a lot of us who, um, who really, uh, I think at 21 think we have all the answers. Yep. And I, I almost, I think back to, I didn't start teaching in schools until I was 23. So mm. I was a fifth, I was teaching 10 year olds and I, I kind of cringe at some of the things that maybe I did as a 23 year old teacher now looking back. Um, but also don't bottle up your feelings, you know, as, as, yeah. as uh, especially in this time right now when we are locked in our homes and maybe we are isolated away from other people, find yeah. those outlets, find those ways to connect with people. I, I speak very highly. Uh, when, when, I, when I talk, when people ask me, I go see a therapist. I speak yeah. very highly about therapy. I have yep. found it to be something that I need in my life. I go at least once a month. Uh, if I'm not feeling right, I can get in for another meeting. And then yep. the other one, at least for me, and I know this isn't the case for everybody, uh, I need to have more trust in my parents. Uh, again, mm. thinking that you're 21 and you have all the answers um, and you want to go off and do your own thing. Um, again, in my experience, I have amazing parents. And so uh, I, I just wish uh, in, earlier in my life, and even till this point, I wish I had trusted them more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think well, it's so, the, like I said, I know that there are some people who have awful parents. And again, working with the kids that I work with, the variety, I, I know that in some communities, that's not always the best advice. But mm. uh, in my case, 
it, it, it would have been advice I should have taken. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, perfect. Okay, top tip. What would you say to any virtual trainers out there, people doing virtual, specifically trainers, how can they make virtual personal? That's the, that's the one tip I'm looking from you. And then secondly, for corporations, for businesses, what is the, one is the, if they want to get gaming or some form of gaming into their training, into their meetings, where do they start? Where do they go? So two questions, two All tips. Right, so the- so how would I make virtual personal? Well, one of the things that we asked our virtual teachers to do this year is to create an introduction video. And it doesn't have to be necessarily about the course. It could also be about themselves. So immediately as a virtual teacher, creating an interpersonal connection with a student that goes beyond the course. You know, hey, I'm Mr. O'Hagan. Here's my house, here's my office. I have two cats. Uh, I've been, I, I play rugby, I play video games. Um, those kind of things can help to create that, that collegiality, that, uh, that sense of, of community in your class eventually that you're hope, hoping to create. Okay. And as far as for the business culture, um, how do you bring in gaming? Again, I, I think simple games. It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. Like you don't have to go out and start a League of Legends, you know, intramural team at your corporation yeah but incorporating things like jackbox games i think are fantastic they're short they involve a group of people right away they don't require a lot of of resources to get started i think a license for all the games is less than a hundred dollars us so you can you can get things started uh, by just again having those kind of fun things that aren't necessarily related to the work that you're doing and again the great thing about these Jackbox games is that they are completely, um, uh, they, they, they can exist completely online as well too. So you don't have to necessarily be sitting next to the person who's doing it. But also mm-hmm. remember too, that there are some people who are not going to want to play some of these games yeah. that you're bringing in. Honor that, honor the importance of play at all levels, those who want to play and those who don't. And, yeah. and, and, and make it so that it is about fun, not necessarily about competition sometimes. Okay. Okay. Perfect. That's great. Well, thank you very much, James, for your time on this Easter Friday. I know that uh, we're all supposed to be off, but uh, we're all working. I thank you for your, for your, your time and for your wonderful thoughts. Uh, My my Catholic sensibilities are going a little bit off today, but again, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like um, times are odd as it is right now. And, and I think that, uh, we need to have these connections as wherever we can get them, when we can get them. And I think it's important as well. So. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks. You've, you've given us some, given the listeners uh, definitely some, some pearls of wisdom. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alistair. Much appreciated.